As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Rush is thrown for 283 yards tonight. Closing in on 300 over the middle. Elliott, Elliott, he's going to take it for a first down and goal. To the four-yard line. First and goal. To the end zone. And it is held for the touchdown. Cooper. The only thing I've like got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. All right, there it is. Cooper Rush enters the underdog and exits the Warrior as the Cowboys win their sixth straight, folks. It's 20 to 16 in Minnesota. We've got Father John Mashoda standing by in Minnesota to give us some eyewitness perspective. But first, this episode is presented by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We've got the Bash Brothers, as always, for this post game edition of About Them Cowboys. I am Kent, welcoming in our monologue man, Kevin KT Turner from Sports and Such and the Ben and Skin Show on the Eagle. And as always, Father John Mishota from The Athletic. Take it away, KT. All right, thank you very much, Kent. And, uh, well, what a game. There's a lot to say about it. And we have Father John Mishota live in the bowels of U.S. Bank Stadium up in Minnesota. John, I mean, like I, I tweeted this out when it was halftime and it was a one-score game. But pretty happy with that. And there were mistakes and what, you know what that game kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of those games of almost eight years ago now that Matt Flynn would have to go win for Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was out and to keep McCarthy's teams afloat. And it's kind of a game that you're going to have to just grind it out, win ugly. And I'll be darned if Cooper Rush didn't do enough to to get it done tonight. Were you, were you surprised at how that went down uh, tonight? Yeah, very surprised. Uh I, so I got to the stadium like four hours early. I normally like I'm three hours, two and a half hours, something like that. But I got here four hours early because I was like, well, whatever Dak does before the game is going to be a huge deal. I, I, I need to get some, at least some video of this and then, you know, be able to try and put out there as soon as possible if he's playing or not. And so, you know, I could kind of tell when he was doing some stuff with Cooper Rush, uh, snap in the ball and things like that uh, on some drills. And then, he, and then Dak was going third in the rotation. I was like, well, that's not a good sign that probably Dak's not playing in this game. So 
you know, we get the inactives and that, and we're tweeting them out. Like as I'm sitting there, like, you know, in the first row up in the stands and the stadium had just opened. And so fans are starting to trickle in and I'm not expecting all fans to be on living on Twitter like we do. So about another 20 minutes goes by and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up to the press box now. And they showed the inactives then on the big screen and just hearing some of the Cowboys fans around me going like, Oh my, Dak's not playing. How do you know? How do you know? Look at the big screen. It just says that Dak's one of the inactives. Like, just the dejection in people's voices were just kind of like, we'll just pack up our stuff and leave, you know? And it just was kind of that feeling. And there were a lot of Cowboys fans here, not to be, you know, surprised or anything. So you have that on top of the fact of like the way they looked in the first half. I thought the only way they had a chance to win the game is if there would have been a big defensive turnover, let's say like a Trayvon Diggs pick six or something was going to have to happen in special teams. And if they didn't do anything like that, then it was going to have to be some huge day from Ezekiel Elliott. And you certainly didn't look like you were going to get that. So no, I didn't think that they would win this game. I didn't think I, I, I didn't think Cooper Rush was going to play that much better in the second half than he did in the first. Yeah, I couldn't help but look at the missed field goal by Zerline in the uh, first quarter, the Chauncey Golston offsides that kept the drive going for Minnesota. Hey, hey like, well, man, real quick, just, yeah, real quick. There were people confusing it with Chauncey. It was I, most certainly I'm, Bradley. It was I'm Bradley. Sorry, and yes. I. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. it and it was clearly an eye, and and they showed that on the sideline. Uh, I, I just said, Oh Golston yeah. McCarthy definitely graphic. was not happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said Golston cause that's what popped up on the screen, but you're right. It was a nine. You saw McCarthy talk to him. Um, but you see that happen. And I was like, man, this team just took a gun and just aimed it right at their foot. Uh, you know, in a situation where like, there's no chance. It's like, there's no chance they're going to be doing that all night, but just enough plays. And, and in the first quarter, I kind of thought, okay, so the plan is hold the ball as long as you can. Let's uh, keep their offense off the field. Uh, maybe you can run it a little bit, stay ahead of the chains. And the first time Cooper Rush kind of tried to throw it down the field, it ended up being picked off uh, over the middle. And he tried to sneak it over the safeties. And it's like, okay, that's not going to work playing super aggressive. But, man, when you take a look at what, the, what, that hap- what happened in the first quarter and take it all the way back to that final drive where you did have to throw it down the field a couple times and, and Amari Cooper makes a play for you and things like that, it was something like you could tell this team was very confident in Cooper Rush, at least knowing where to go with the football. And that is no, kind of what you need in a backup quarterback, someone who's confident. No. Yeah, and you're right about that. And it was funny because after the game, Mike McCarthy said, you know, it's not really a surprise to me because this is the Cooper Rush we see every day in practice. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, every day in practice is one thing. Another to be in this loud environment, trying to keep a five-game winning streak rolling, uh, you know, against a team that's it's not a bad team. I mean, we can get into that. But, like, obviously they, they did enough to shoot themselves in the foot, and, you know, and their offense was, you know, so boring that their fans were, were booing it uh, quite often. Um, and, you know, they – don't use their playmakers at, at a level that you'd expect. And so th- that could, that all factors into it and that's fine. But, but to, for Cooper rush to make some of the throws he did, the Cedric Wilson one, obviously the game winner to, um, to, to Amari Cooper, like those are just throws that, yeah, it, it's great. If you make those at the star, it's another, when you're doing that on the road, it, especially for a guy that's never started a game before uh, a guy that's never even had to come in really and play any meaningful snaps to step up and elevate himself to that level. And then one other thing I wanted to add real quick is when you mentioned the, and I think how, how about how they kept shooting themselves in the foot a little bit later, uh, it, you know, in the fourth quarter with the back-to-back, uh, well, they had the first, it was the Terrell Basham, uh, the roughing the passer where I guess it was technically, you know, the putting the weight on him or whatever, which I just thought was a bad call. But then you had the, you had those two Randy Gregory, uh, you know, on sports like conducts. I mean, 
mean, that entire drive right there, there were a, a lot of plays there that kind of like you pointed out with the NI play that you're sitting there going, guys, we don't have a, a large room for error here. Okay. The margin is very small. You can't be shooting yourselves in the foot. And somehow they did that and still won. I'm glad you brought that up. The, the Basham thing was frustrating because it's almost like Kirk Cousins kind of fell into it and like Basham changing his trajectory just wasn't really possible. But if you've watched any amount of football over the last five years or 10 years, that's what they do. They're calling personal fouls. If you hit the quarterback after he threw it, it's going to happen. I actually thought, and and I was, you know, if you follow along and I know you are too in social media, you know, I thought both of those Gregory calls, I thought those were good calls. I mean, if they're that close to the sideline, you can't hit them. It's just what it is. And you have to know that. And I was surprised that Leighton Van Rush didn't call through, get called Absolutely. for one after that. And that could have led to a touchdown too. So there was a lot, there was a lot there that happened, but to find a way to escape and hold them to three, you know, I mean, I, boy, hats off the defense because on a night where they actually didn't get, get any turnovers, um, surprisingly, they did find a way to, to somehow contain everything uh, that Minnesota was throwing out there. And I, I said, you can't say enough about the defense keeping that, keeping that close because this is not a day where the Cowboys are going to score 30 points. Yeah. It was pretty clear early on that wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, good, a lot of pressure on, on Minnesota all night long, whether it be, you know, Randy Gregory, uh, obviously he, I mean, he comes to mind and he was the only guy who recorded a sack, but they were, they were getting to Kirk cousins and they were hitting him, uh, for a good portion of the night. I mean, he would never look comfortable back there. So, I, man, the defense did their part for sure. And, and again, you need you need certain things to fall in place in a Cooper Rush game. And it did. I thought Michael Parsons responded well after he kind of looked bad in the in the New England game, kind of his first bad game. I thought Michael Parsons responded well as well. So I, I just thought that was a good, great game by the defense. Yeah, for sure. No, I thought that was one of Parsons' best games. It looks like after the game, he had a game ball with him. I think it's one of those that you get from like, uh, that's given you by like Sun, the Sunday Night Football telecast or whatever like that. No, he was all over the place. I thought he was their best defender uh, and their most consistent defender uh, throughout the night. And and he said that, you know, going against Dalvin Cook, he knew, you know, the the challenge was there and, and, and how good Dalvin Cook is as a player. But then also I, I, there was fuel there in the fire because of what you said about the New England game. There's no question about that. I think that fire was burning pretty hot going into the bye week as well. And so to sit there and come out and play as well as he did in this game. Uh, yeah, that was, that was outstanding. And, and you're right. I mean, as much as I sit here and I, and I'm watching this game and, and there's times where Adam Thielen's open, there's times when Justin Jefferson's open and I'm just kind of like, and, and I know how good Delvin cook is. And I'm just kind of like, how does this offense not put up more points? Is the Cowboys defense that good? Or is this just a bad offense and Kirk cousins isn't playing well? I mean, it's, it's, it's probably somewhere in the middle to be honest with you, but you got to give the Cowboys credit for making the plays that they did make. And, and I think Micah made the most, uh, of the group, obviously other guys had flashes, Randy Gregory, uh, with that sack, you know, it was timely and things like that. Um, but before we get Who into the, the next topic, Hamilton. Just, yeah. Justin, Justin never Hamilton, seen yeah. that guy until tonight. And he made a yeah. big, big, no, he's, <laughs> no, him and Quentin Bohanna, some guys like that, bigger bodies that they, you know, they were making some plays up, up in the line, especially against Dalvin cook. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it takes. I mean, you know, KT talks about some of those Packers teams, Mike McCarthy talks about that all the time, how many bodies were needed, how many different guys were needed the year that they won the Super Bowl. And it just seems like he had been talking about this for a long time since he took the job. And now it's kind of coming to fruition with this current Cowboys team where just the next guy continues to step up. 
in, in, in some roles that you just really didn't expect in previous years from the Cowboys. Um, but real quick, before we go to any other topics, I just want to update uh, everybody on, on four key injuries here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyron Smith re-injured his left ankle, and uh, for him not to come back in the game wasn't a gr- isn't a great sign. Uh, when he didn't immediately go to the blue medical tent or go to the locker room, because it was late in the second quarter, I was like, oh, he's not coming back into this game, because usually they're, they're going to try and start some type of treatment to try and get him going for the second half. And he was having a hard time putting a lot of pressure on it when he was walking around. You could tell he was frustrated. So he might be a guy that uh, I, I think his status is up in the air for Denver. Uh, there's no guarantee there. They, they call it the left ankle sprain, which is what he had before. So I think he just re-aggravated it. Uh, Jabril Cox, not not so good. Uh, it was his right knee. It looked bad from just how little pressure he could put on it when he was coming off the field. And then he went to the tent and then he was carted off. Uh, that one looks like it's a little bit more significant. Um Obviously, anytime you get you have to go on the card, it's not great. Uh, Mari Cooper has many saw with him using the massage gun on his hamstring. Same hamstring issue he was dealing with earlier in the season, kind of re-aggravated it late in the game. Um, but it's 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 interesting how Amari knows his body so well that he was basically saying that there's certain routes that he wouldn't have been able to run late in the game, but because he knew what that play was going to be late, he was able to. He was like, "Oh, I know he's going to throw a fade here. I can do that." with my, with my hamstring being the way it is. So that's why he came back in for that play, which obviously was just outstanding the catch he made. So this could be something that he can, he can play through. He might not need any time off. Uh, and then last mo- and, and not least, mostly uh, I, I see on Twitter, everybody was wondering about this Trayvon Diggs. Obviously that didn't look great at the very end of the game, the way his ankle, uh, the way it just moved when it, when it was, I can't remember the receiver that it hit when he was coming down and he was limping pretty bad. Well, I just saw him after the game, I don't know, probably about 20 minutes before we started rec- recording this podcast, and he was walking in the buses, and he seemed absolutely fine. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have any limp at all, he was walking with his suitcase. I mean, it certainly did not seem like somebody that uh, suffered like some major – I mean, because if you watch it in slow motion, the injury looks like – it's not on deck ankle every injury level, but it looks like it's going to be something like it could be a, a break or something, and it, and it wasn't. They said it was a, a sprain, and I was kind of skeptical, but then when I was leaving the press conference room, he was walking out of the locker room, and he looked fine. He, he looked like a normal Trayvon Diggs, like didn't have a limp or anything. So uh, that's obviously a good sign there. And then with Dak, uh, he said after the game that you know he still plans on, on trying to play uh, against Denver – uh, they're not, they're not going to say anything until he gets a chance to practice on Wednesday, but he was pretty uh, optimistic about that. And from what McCarthy said that if, if it was just up to Dak, he was going to play, uh, but the medical staff kind of stepped in and this was, they're going to be their plan all along that he wasn't going to play in this one. So I don't think it's a lock that he plays against Denver, um, but it, a much better chance than, than he had playing in this game. Well, you know, another thing I would do out there is the Lyle Collins situation. Uh, obviously Lyle Collins was, um, available. I assume he was available. I mean, he was active. But when uh, oh, he played, he was in that. He was in that jumbo pack where they would bring in. Uh, uh, it brought him in with Connor uh, McGovern, and they played in some of those like the fullback roles. Okay, uh, on a few running plays. But yeah, no, nothing on on the offensive line. But if Tyron's out, it makes you wonder if if they would try him over there because Ty Nasecki certainly had his hands full on some on a few occasions. Yeah, I was kind of like, can Lyle go play the left tackle? I know it's kind of asking a lot, but I, in, in my head, I was like, you kind of have all this happening right now at the end of the game, and with Lyle Collins just kind of standing on the on the sideline. I actually didn't notice him on the on the jumbo packages. I, I didn't uh, I didn't notice that, but that's that's kind of in my head. And I was like, I don't know what they're going to work on next week. I mean, we'll see how severe it is with Tyron and, and if he's good to go and everything, and uh, we'll see how Terrence still graded out and things like that, but. 
man, I, I just got to think if they're they're going to talk about having their best five, which they've talked about a lot, then Lyle Collins is one of those people, and I think that should start at that should start next week against Denver, and probably should have started tonight, to be honest. Yeah, I just don't think that they wanted to throw him in right away because he didn't get any reps there and hasn't been. It's been this past yeah. week. It was all at right tackle, backup right tackle, backup left guard. Uh, and obviously he's played left guard before, uh, you know, he's played left tackle in college. I mean, he can play he can play left tackle. And obviously, I can be on Tyron Smith level and it probably isn't going to be as well as he was at, at right tackle. But I think he would be fine. I, I, Mike McCarthy's pretty high on Ty Nasecki. like he, he he thinks pretty highly of him. So um, and that's where Ty nasecki has been working pretty much all season is backup left tackle. So yeah, uh, that is going to definitely be an interesting position to uh, monitor this week. Uh, eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown for Amari Cooper, six catches for 112 yards for CD lamb. One of those games. Now we've, we've had, uh, joked around a little bit about, man, you look at these games and at the end of it, Dalton Schultz is your leading receiver. Well, tonight you went to wide receiver one and you went to wide receiver two and they came through for you quite a bit. Obviously Amari Cooper on that final drive, uh, I and I also want to throw in this this play, that third and eleven play, they had the weird defensive delay of game after it was third and sixteen, and I'll let me just kind of run through that sequence because at the end on that final drive for the Cowboys, I was kind of frustrated on second and three because they went empty five wide when I kind of thought they were in a situation on second and three to kind of run the ball and take some more time off the clock and not leave Minnesota with anything to work with. And they end up getting a Connor Williams holding penalty, which we've seen a lot of that in key key moments this year. I believe that's his ninth holding penalty of the of the year, and that's more than half, half the teams in the league. I think more than 15 teams in the league, I think, is the stat. Uh, then you get the holding. So you have the third uh, 16, but you have the defensive delay of game situation that makes it third and 11. And then the check down to Zeke, and Zeke – goes full beast mode to get that first down. I thought that was probably the play of the game. And I know the Amari Cooper juggling catch looks huge and the touchdown catch, but man, if Zeke does not get that first down, then we're kicking a field goal right there and it's tied at 16. And you've got about a minute left for Minnesota to have the ball. So that kind of, and with, and they would have a timeout to work with too. Uh, that was undoubtedly the best play, uh, the or the most important play of the game. Yeah, and, and he had struggled to get much going in the running game, you know, for most of that. I mean, it was a lot of what they would call dirty yards, but uh, it was kind of like, this is the moment. Like, you know, you're the workhorse back. This isn't a handoff, obviously, but we're throwing the ball to you. It's going to be short uh, of getting a first down, but we're going to need you to kind of break some tackles and kind of, you know, put your head down and get it. And he did. And I agree with you. I agree with you that it was a huge play. I would I would rank it number two behind the Cooper catch. But uh, yeah, certainly. I, and the only reason I say that is because, if he doesn't get that, yeah, you, you kick the field goal and then you're probably going to overtime and, it, and it's kind of, you know, whatever, 50-50 there. But with the, with the Cooper catch, it just, I mean, that to me ended the game because just watching that Vikings offense all, all game long, I just didn't, ha- I didn't think at all that they were going to come down there and score late in that game after they got the ball back. So uh, the Cooper play that is, is definitely the play of the game for me. I, I, it was it's funny too, he was said after the game that the thing he kept telling Cooper Rush was, you know, just trust us on the outside because these, these DBs for the Vikings can't check us. And, and, and when he said that, you know, meaning Cedric Wilson himself and CD lamb, and obviously, you know, Cooper believed in that. I mean, you, I mean, Cooper threw some throws that you would be like, man, that's dangerous, man, that's dangerous. I mean, he was not holding back. And, and that's obviously what you want to see 
Uh, but on the very last play, CD said he he comes in, or I'm sorry, Amari said he he comes into the game. Uh, he he rattled off what the play call was. Basically, he was going to be lined up on the left, and the way the play is designed, you know, Cooper Rush is going to be thrown to the left. And so when CD heard what the play call was. CD said to Amari, he goes, Hey man, you want to let me get this one? Because he knew it was going to the left. And he knew, you know, Amari had been dealing with the, with the hamstring thing. And Amari looked at him and he said, he goes, hell no. Cause he knew it was coming to him. He knows that, that, that Cooper throws a nice ball on some of those fades like that. They, you know, they've hit on him in practice. And, uh, it was just funny. Cause he was like, there's no way I was giving up that opportunity because I know that I was going to, I knew that I could do that with my hamstring. And I knew the chances of it being, you know, a catchable ball and, and possibly the game winner were there. He's like, there's no way I was passing up that opportunity. And obviously it worked out. Uh, so you would bit. say that, uh, Dantzler KT is in fact human. Um, there's a good killers reference from our music guy. <laughs> Ken yeah. Um, but yeah, he's human. He's, he's in fact human. Yeah. Dantzler is he, human. He's not, but he's also a dancer. He's also a dancer. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the trade deadline, because uh, we won't do the, the the pregame for Denver until later in the week. Obviously, the trade deadline is Tuesday. Is, does that make linebacker a little more pressing need? Maybe now, because if you look at the death chart now with Jalen being released and then Jabril Cox, you know if that's as serious as it as it seems, he might be out of there. Is that is that something you might uh, look to look to add to right there? It could be. I think it really depends on what they think of Francis Bernard because they have him coming back. And then obviously Luke Gifford could work in there as well. So it depends on what they think of those two guys. If they, if they think that they can step into larger roles and, and play really what Cox was doing was, you know, obviously was mainly in special teams. If they feel, and, and obviously Gifford's there and Bernard helps in special teams too. So if they feel like they need another linebacker then yeah, it's a possibility, but it just funny you bring that up because at halftime, uh, I'd be lying if I if I didn't say that there weren't some media members having conversations, myself included, about what do you think it would take to get Andy Dalton? I mean, obviously the Bears, uh, they've gone full Justin Fields. Like, what? What would I can't I can't imagine it being a lot. But then you know, Cooper has that second half, and it's like, Nick well, Foles, I don't too. think, 
Right. Right. And, and, and like I said, I don't think that either of them would, would cost you a lot, you know? Um, but after the way Cooper played in that game, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me from the, the quarterback position is that they have their backup quarterback now. I mean, uh, this, this game will do a lot for Cooper Rush's confidence too on top of it. And, you know, yeah, we're in week, whatever, eight. And normally you don't wait that long to find out who your backup quarterback is. And they would say from week one, he was their backup quarterback and that's fine. But you really don't know that you have that guy until he goes out and plays like this. Then you can feel confident that, hey, if Dak goes down, he can come in and he can kind of keep the ship afloat. And he did that Prop, tonight. Props and to so McCarthy, that was a big move. McCarthy, McCarthy's staff are going with Cooper Rush, like in the, in the preseason and stuff. Like they took some crap for getting rid of Garrett Gilbert and stuff and you know, this Cooper Rush hasn't really done anything in his career. They had faith in this guy, and I think tonight was why. I think he has the locker room. I think that was really important. Um, you know, I think the guys trust him. Zeke and the offensive line, no Cooper. So, yeah, just props to them for, for sticking by Cooper Rush when they could have easily just cast him aside and, and brought in whatever veteran was out there. And I'm sure I'm sure Kellen Morris deserves a lot of credit for that, too. I mean, these are guys that were teammates for a year and then yeah. Kellen goes and becomes the offensive coordinator and Cooper rush has obviously been around Kellen a lot, been in the meeting rooms. They've spent a lot of time together. So he knows Kellen Moore's offense so well. That's the only reason I mentioned the Andy Dalton thing, because, you know, people talk about, Oh, it's trade deadline. If, if, if Cooper rush sucks and you got to go and get Cam Newton, Cam Newton hasn't even played in this offense, at least with like a guy like Andy Dalton, you'd be like, all right, well, we don't have to give up much. Andy was in the offense last year. Like, I don't even know how confident they would feel putting Will Greer in right now because what what reps do you think Will Will Greer is getting during during the week in that offense? Probably not very much. And so the fact that uh, for Cooper to elevate his game and play the way he did is just it, it just so huge for the team because, uh, like I said, he knows the offense so well that they feel so comfortable with him because of that. And so yeah, is he is you know is he Dak Prescott? Is he you know uh, going to be a starting quarterback in the league? No, but you know. I think a lot of people that were on the fence about Cooper Rush feel uh, a thousand times better about him right now than they did probably. It's like it was clean all night for him either. I mean, there were uh, three sacks, uh, but he was under pressure quite a few times. I can only think of a couple times where he just stood there and held the ball and got himself in a bind because he was indecisive. It didn't happen very often. I mean, every. Right. Backup quarterback in the league, you know, is going to do that a few times a game. So he did a pretty good job of being decisive with the ball and getting rid of it. And that was kind of the thing that stood out at uh, in the preseason. Like he knows where to go with the football. The arm strength is, you know, obviously a question mark and all that type of stuff. But he just knows where to go with the football. And I couldn't help but think of that clip on Hard Knocks. You remember when they were trying to scale back Dak's workload and Dak wanted to practice. And Garrett Gilbert was like, hey, Dak, they told me to take uh, these. Uh, you just do the run plays, and I'll do the best plays. And Dak said something to the says, well, I didn't ask you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to Garrett Gilbert. And I, I immediately thought about that when all the stuff was coming out about Dak having a talk with the team on Saturday night about Cooper Rush, you know, being the guy or his guy if he couldn't go. I couldn't help but think about that. But, you know, look, I, I thought uh, – I mean, there were, there were a couple plays that Minnesota left on the field. You mentioned this earlier – I think about that play to Justin Jefferson where it looked like he kind of slowed down uh, deep down the right sideline and you missed that, but they held Dalvin Cook to under five yards of carry. And, you know, that kind of equal – the run uh, running attack for each team kind of evens out when you look at that, what you did with uh, against Dalvin Cook. And you didn't get killed by Thielen or Justin Jefferson. So 
I, I think that's what it comes down to. You were going to need your defense to play really well, and they ended up doing that. And it's just such a such a difference in past. This it feels so different than past Cowboys teams. I mean, when Tyron is out and guys are out and guys are missing, and you're having bad penalties and things like that, and you find a way to overcome. So I want to. Can you this. imagine, KT? Can you imagine thinking about that last year, just one year ago? Let's oh, yeah. go six months. I'll just take it back six months. And, and I'm like, you know, the schedule comes out and I'm like, Hey, that, that Minnesota game, they're going to be rolling and they're going to be five and one. Um, but in the second, uh, Cooper rush is going to start the game and, um, Terrence Steele is going to be a starting right tackle and, uh, Tyron's going to get hurt in the second quarter and Ty Nasecki is going to be the uh, left tackle for the rest of the game. There's just no way that you would have said that they would have won that game. There's just no way. No, and there's something to be said about a tone and what that does. And, man, I think the defense has done a really good job. And, look, we know all the problems that happened with last year's defense. We don't need to rehash that. But when you watch this defense play, and there are times they give up a lot of yards, and there are a few times they give up some big plays, and there are times they make you want to pull your hair out, they are flying around to the football all the time. And they're hitting. And they're laying the wood. And all that stuff when you take a look at it and you just kind of go, man, they're setting a tone and that's getting other guys fired up on the sidelines. And that crap matters. I mean, if you're playing any football at any level, th- when that happens and you're on the sideline, that gets you going. And and that wasn't happening last year. You know, there were plays that, that were made. And, and you know, it kind of reminds me like what was happening with that, that Minnesota team to have all that talent on offense. It, it reminds me of some of these Garrett teams. You know they're they're questioning what's gonna what's happening with Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak and all that stuff. They're questioning all that stuff, and that's not the case. And I think Mike McCarthy. I want to get on the record. I think Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for the demeanor that this team is playing with. And if Dan Quinn needs to get credit, whatever. But I want to give the head coach credit here because whatever you think of him, they are believing and they are all rowing in the same direction. And they are clearly one of the best teams, not only in the NFC, but in the league. And you don't just fall into that a lot of the time. Um, so I, I do think the coach should get some credit for that, man. Yeah, the interesting thing about Mike McCarthy, probably the thing that stands out most about him in my time being around him for whatever, a year and a half, is that he really doesn't try and like do everything himself and take the credit for everything. And it kind of goes back to uh, – well, I asked Rob Davis, who's the, uh, you know, assistant head coach, uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, McCarthy, cause they had worked together going back to their time in green Bay. And, uh, he was like, the one thing that stood out to me is he said that Mike McCarthy is the type of guy that will like, let you do your job. He's not going to be the type that is like looking over your shoulder is constantly like micromanaging you. He lets you do your job and expects you to do it well. And he feels like if he has to come down there and keep telling you change this or do something differently, then you probably shouldn't have that job to begin with. And so that's where I kind of, when you, you take that as a positive, it also sometimes can look like a negative in the sense that sometimes it doesn't look like he's doing very much. Like at some of the practices, you're just kind of like, what's Mike McCarthy doing? Why is, why is he over there? Why isn't he with this group? Why isn't he going from, and, and a lot of that is because you're used to other coaches doing that. Jason Garrett was like that. He was constantly bounce around to the different position groups uh, throughout practice and see what they were doing. Mike McCarthy is not like that. He's, he's much more of a CEO head coach, uh, you know, and obviously it helps because he has a, a very good staff too. So you feel confident let, allowing those guys to do their jobs and that, you know, it's, that they're going to have success doing that. Why do I need to be micromanaging them? Why do I have to be going over there and seeing what they're doing? I'm going to let these guys work. And, and he's done that. And obviously it's working right now. 
What does today do for Kellen Moore and his stock? I mean, uh, you go into Minnesota with a backup quarterback and scheme up, scheme up a W. I think that's, uh, you know, it's still still rising after tonight. It, it is, but I think it just validates. I mean, I, I don't know that it takes it any higher. I think his stock is already at, at, a, at a pretty elite level. I think it just is just more validation that Josie can do it without Derek. Yeah, right. No, no. And that is big. I, I get your point. No, and it is, and it is valid. No question about it. Uh, and then now also having different pieces on the offensive line and, 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 and the running game didn't really work and, but they still found a way. Yeah, no, it, it's, it helps his stock, but I already thought his stock was extremely high anyway. So mm-hmm. um, uh, he's bought himself enough. He can have several bad games. And I think, I think his stock is still pretty high uh, where he's at right now. Um so, I mean, yeah, obviously every week they win. There's going to be storylines about the possibility of him being a head coach somewhere else next year, you know, and anytime Tony Romo calls a game, he's going to bring that up. And so it's going to, you know, people like myself are going to talk about it because it, it interests people. But uh, I don't see him leaving in the middle of this season. So why don't they just keep riding with what they got right here and worry about that when they have to worry about that? You know, it's kind of it's kind of wild that we once, um, and we're very protective of our first round draft picks. But man, was Amari Cooper ever worth it or not? I mean, good grief, yeah. That is good point. Th- I mean, that is something that you think about. And look, you hit on some of these first round picks, and sometimes you don't, right? But uh, it seems silly that that was ever like a debate or a you know a talk show uh, <laughs> a talk show angles like is he worth a first round pick? You no, know, he absolutely is, and he showed it tonight, man. Well, not only the first round pick though, KT, what about the, the fact of, you know, a lot of questions about him getting the $20 million a year, you know, there are lots of questions, even like going in to this game, talking, people talking about the fact of, uh, you know, are, who are they going to pick in the off season? Cause they're not gonna be able to keep Gallup and Amari. I mean, I don't think there's any qu- question that you keep Amari Cooper. I mean, you just, he's a mismatch every single week. So, and, and that's even including when he's not fully healthy, which he isn't right now. Uh, but he can just make plays like that when you give him a chance, and he's he's just he's special. I mean, that's why that's why he was a top five pick. That's why he was a beast in Alabama. That's why he was a Heisman Trophy finalist. I mean, he's a he's a special wide receiver. There's no question about that. I'm comfortable going here because it's and there's a lot there's a lot of time left in, uh, in the season. Clearly, uh, with Cowboys again have one of the easier remaining schedules in the league. You look at what happened this week. You have Green Bay beating Arizona, and Arizona dropping to their to get their first loss. So uh, you got the Rams, who you know blew out the Texans today. They've got one loss. The Cowboys have one loss. You got Tampa Bay, who lost and looked pretty terrible in New Orleans. And um, so I mean, it's kind of all there to to go all in and go try to get that bye week. Um, you will get that game against Arizona. Kyler back. banged so up to too. Worry about them. Kyler mm. banged up. You know, and again, you'll play them a little later on. You realize that the Packers and the Rams have a tougher schedule than you have. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to have that that bye week in your sights. And that that would make me, I don't want to say push it with Dak because you still want to be big picture oriented. But, man, I, I, I do think if he can go, then then I, I don't think I'm doing anything just because you won tonight and going, all right, well. Let's try to try to squeeze out another game for Cooper Rush and then get Dak ready for Atlanta. Like I'm not sure that would make a lot of sense. So I I, I do think it's a, a fun storyline to watch, man, because it's been a long time since you're sitting there going, "All right, well, is this team really trying to get a bye week here?" Because this team absolutely can do it, and I would I would leap as far to say as they're the favorite to be the bye uh, to get the bye in uh, in the NFC based on strength of schedule. 
Oh, for sure. And then the fact that you can overcome the injuries the way that they have, I mean, coming into this game, like the odds of them winning this game with Cooper rush are far less than what they would be next week at home against Denver. I mean, before this game even started, uh, I saw the opening lines came out and the Cowboys were a seven and a half point favorite next week against Denver. And so there's no question that that's going to be a more favorable game for them than this one was. So if that can't go, I mean, obviously you you would rather have Dak out there and you're hoping that he comes back and everything gets rolling again. But even if you had to sit him another week, you feel much better about that game than you did going into this one. Yeah, man. Well, the injuries are going to be something to watch, though. As you mentioned, uh, you kind of kind of ran through that a little bit earlier. We'll we'll have have more on that uh, later in the week when we talk with um, when we talk uh, on about them Cowboys and, and get you ready for that Denver game, and we'll have a better better idea of who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing, what the health situation is. So they're, they're saying that package that you were talking about with Lyle Collins, uh, they're calling it the Hulk package. <laughs> so they they've so they've gone jumbo with with Connor McGovern and it's with you put Lyle Collins in there it's the Hulk package. Okay. Okay. My goodness, I love this. We're it, did, it, it, it it didn't have an amazing success, but I think it really helped for this particular game because they did it a little bit early on, and I think it you know provided a little extra pre- I mean a little extra uh, presence in the pocket for Cooper Rush because like I said. CD and, and, and Amari and, and Cedric Wilson felt like they could win constantly on the outside against these defensive backs. And, and obviously they did. Um, but it's one thing to sit there and beat your guy. And it's another for that quarterback to put the ball in a spot for you to make a play on it. And obviously Cooper rush had to do that. And he did it very well, particularly in the second half. So um, I think that that's why they tried to utilize that a little bit more. Cause they felt like, Hey, if you can just get Cooper rush some time here, we think that our guys can still get, open on the outside it's just a matter of when they start you know and, and you know what's another key in here too is the neil hunter getting hurt because you know he was obviously one of their one of their best players and so not having him obviously was a factor i guess you could kind of cause call it a wash because you lose tyron smith if you're the cowboys but still uh you know because you saw everson griffin uh make some make some big plays you saw <laughs> former cowboy there former cowboy xavier woods make some big plays so um i don't know i just i think all, all the way around. Like if you're a Cowboys fan, you gotta be pretty pumped up about what you're seeing. Uh, and for me, like, you know, I always compare it to 2014 and 2016, and this is exceeding those levels. Uh, there, there's just no question about that. Like this is, this is, this is the, their most special team. I can't go back to the, you know, I wasn't around in 07 and 09, so I'm not going to compare it to that, but out of the 14 and 16 teams, no, this team's, this team's more special than those. Like this, this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Well, Father John, there's a lot of reasons you're one of the best guys covering the Cowboys, if not the best guy covering the Cowboys. And well, CD Lamb has just retweeted you your tweet about Amari Cooper uh, <laughs> talking in his in the press conference about uh, you know about lining up on the left, and uh, CD Lamb has retweeted you with the cry laughing emoji, and it says it's all love, Coop, big dubs, <laughs> and then the prayers up uh, emoji as well. So yeah. There you are. Pray, hey, prayers up, prayers up that he doesn't get fined for some Jersey thing. I mean, what a crazy story that's been. I, like, I, the, I mean, oh, they have a guy oh, on the sidelines whose only job, he has a clipboard. And his only job is to mark down uniform violations. Like, you know I want that, I want that full-time job. That guy gets paid a salary from the NFL. It's just, 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 just mark down the stuff on a clipboard. That is a, that is a job I need and want. You know what my problem is with that, Kent? Is it's like, when I see C.D. Lamb, like the things he's getting fined for Brian Broaddus has done a great job of explaining this on, on Twitter and on one Oh five through the fan. But like, like 
it's like little things like not having the Jersey, like the full length Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause he has like the shorter one that has like, you know, it's, it's like kind of sewn at the bottom so yeah. that like, you don't have to tuck it in or whatever. And then it's like not having his socks up all the way over his knees. Like it's one thing to sit there and it's like a guy comes out and he's trying to wear like, you know, like highlighter yellow cleats and which yeah. I guess that wouldn't even matter anyway. Cause I, I feel like you Kyler can do Murray that does that, but yeah. yeah, I think Kyler Murray does it, but like, it's not something that makes you like really stand like, I don't look at CD lamb and go, Oh my God, what, what is he doing with that uniform? Like I never even noticed that it was a, anything he was doing was a uniform violation. I, I I'm amazed at some of the things this league will do sometimes to make you go and they can do it because they're bulletproof and we're well, all why watch. is he doing it then John? But like, you know, swagged like out, not, man. Well, if it's not swagged out enough to notice, why is he spending money? You know, if you're going to get swagged yeah. out, like go out there and wear, you know, sweatbands or whatever you want to do to set yourself apart. But like, well, he might not like nobody, doing that. That's the nobody's thing. Nobody's noticing be it. I, mean, I noticed a long jersey. Like he's got like right. a tail on his jersey kind of thing. And I guess that probably makes it harder for people to tackle him, honestly. The but if you feel good about it, if you feel good about it, it makes you feel confident. That's the same reason why some guys wear visors and other guys don't. Yeah. It's the same reason why Trayvon Diggs uh, is going from 27 to wearing seven. Like, like he was pretty good as a rookie wearing 27. Like, and now yeah. he, he wants to go to seven. Within and I asked reason. him about it last week when I asked him about it last week and, and I go, how much do you think that that's contributing to you having this hot start? And he goes, I think a little bit. Like, and, and most people, if you don't have any superstitions or you're not a professional athlete, you'd be like, why? It's just a number change. Who cares? But it's like, if it, and when you're on this level, if, if it's the littlest thing, it's the littlest thing that makes a difference. And if you feel that makes you just the slightest bit more confident and, and, and uh, more sure of whatever you're doing, I can see how well, guys then, are like, yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay that fine. Well, then Ed, uh, Zeke needs to bring back the half shirt. Because he stopped it in the NFL because he couldn't do it anymore. And well, you know what I think happens. I know he would be more edgy with the half shirt. Everybody, everybody gets to a level to where they don't want to pay the fine anymore. And CD will probably get there too. But as of right now, business is booming. He's fine with it. The next one's tripled at forty-five thousand dollars. I think we might be there. I think we might be there. But let me just say this: Hey, can we get our workplace harassment stuff figured out and the Deshaun Watson thing figured out before we start going after uh, taunting? And fashion penalties. I mean, let's get this other stuff figured. And also, can I just say on Sunday night in football, when the whole world's watching you, and no one's watching the World Series, everyone's watching you, can we not make it a ref show? Come on. The league's yeah. got other issues they need to worry about, whether than if a guy's got his jersey tucked in or not. I mean, dude, it's not golf. Where it's <laughs> like, they're trying to be like stuffy. You know? it's, it's dumb. No fun Who, who are you appealing to? The future of this game appeal to the kids. I don't appeal to the old men. You know, I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. Anything else that you need to get off your chest, Father John? Then we'll let you go. No, I think I think I got it all out. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kent. Anything from you? Because I mean, I, I mean that game was incredible, and there's a there's a lot we can talk about. I think we covered a, a a good portion of it, and we can clean some up later in the week when we have our uh, episode that's kind of previewing the Broncos. And we'll have, a, again, a more clear picture on some of these injuries as well. Anything yeah. else on your mind, Ken, outside of signed Cor- uh, Kai Forbath? <laughs> no, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I do love every time a Cowboys miss kick, I'll, we'll get some Kai Forbath love on Twitter, so keep that coming. Um, <laughs> but the only thing I have was just Randy Gregory still playing out of his mind. I know you guys mentioned the defense, but it's just something that stuck out to me tonight. That guy's an, a man possessed right now, so... uh Keep it up, Cowboys, and big win. Huge win. I was talking with a member of the DallasCowboys.com team and after the game, 
and uh, all they could say is, damn, this team is really good. <laughs> you know, and it's right where you are, John. It kind of exceeds where they were in 14 and 16 in their minds. So um, let's keep riding this train. Come on, ride the train. Oh, yeah. Ride it. The Quad City DJs. Hell yeah, man. Um, well, look, we will uh, be back later in the week. With uh, the Broncos preview, the Broncos uh, got a got a sneaky one-score win over the Washington football team today. So we'll have a little bit to talk about with Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos. The Cowboys improve to 6-1 and one coming off the bye week. They get the big win. Um, Cooper Rush gets the win. And we'll see if Dak Prescott uh, gets the start next week. We'll have a better feel for that later in the week. For Father John Machota, live at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. For our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next time on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.